thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. When I was asked to come and preach, I thought, why don't I share with you one of the Bible studies that we always do that has really created impact in our churches. And the Bible study is the one that we have just read. It is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, from verse 13 to 16. We do several Bible studies, and each Bible study has great lessons. And we've learned to learn to, to read the Bible study differently, to, do the, to read the Bible differently. In most cases, most of us just read the Bible and put it aside. But as we read and study the Bible, we always ask ourselves, so what is God saying? And I think that is what has triggered us to know that in every Bible study we do, God says something and he leads us to do, to, to do it. So in this particular Bible study we do, we study, and the purpose is for us to understand what is the role of the church to immediate community. Where I come from, you find that uh, even looking at the stories I told you about my life, there are so many people who are like me, who have gone through a lot, and their lives end up being hopeless, even some of them in the church, and they are not looking at their future positively, and sometimes they are desperate, and sometimes they feel they are just entangled in this poverty and they can't come out of it. But these Bible studies have really released people to look at themselves differently and has changed the attitude of people from thinking we are just hopeless people that are dependent and waiting for who will get us out of this poverty. To think that, no, but God is with us. He has plans for us and he has good plans for us. And by so thinking, people then begin doing things that improve their lives. So when we do this Bible study, we look at it in three ways. We look at the world that Jesus said you are the salt and light to. Then we look at salt. Then we look at light. So as we look at the world, we ask ourselves, what is the world then that Jesus has asked us to be salt and light to? And we see that the world is not just the rivers and the trees around the soil, but rather the world is the people who are, are in their lost state. Those are the people that Jesus wants us to shine and be sold to. The world is the disobedient people who are disobedient to God. It is also the systems and structures that keep away people from God. It is people who are in bondage, are under control of powers that take them away from God. And I shared with you earlier in Uganda, so many things happen. When you see what the LRA are doing, you know it is not the work of God. It is the worldliness in them. As they abduct people and they kill people and they rob uh, uh, people, that is all evil. And that is what is wildness. Therefore, if that is the world that uh, God has called us to be salt to, what is salt then? We realize that the church is not meant for the church, but the church is meant to influence the world around it. And in our, in our context, 
The world is what I've described. They are the evil things that happen. In my country, there's a lot of corruption. And everybody is so selfish. They look at themselves. What can I have for myself? And that is worldly. That is not godly. So when we do these Bible studies, in most cases, we get a scripture, we ask ourselves questions, and we discuss. And I would love us to make it also participatory, as I will ask you sometimes, I'll ask you questions, and I want you to respond too. So I've just described what is worldly in where I come from. What do you think is worldly here in the UK? What are some of the things you'd say are worldly things that we are supposed to shine to and be sold to? Somebody wants to share? Pardon? First? First class. <laughs> yes. Yeah? First? First? Oh, first cars. <laughs> Porsche and first cars. That people end up worshiping. They become their God. It is all that they look forward to. What else? Greed. Greed is not good. It's not godly. God is God of love. He's a generous God. He gave us his only son. Yes, maybe one more. Help me. Lifestyle. Lifestyle that is not godly. Lifestyle that does not show obedience to God. Lifestyle that is evil. So we realize that the world is everywhere, not so. So even here, there is a world around you that you have to influence. So then as a church, we ask ourselves, how do we then influence this for good? Because then the Bible says you are the salt of the earth. What then is the role of the salt to the community around? So as we start the salt, we ask ourselves, literally, what is the use of salt? And in my country, salt is a very relevant commodity in a house. You can have no sugar, you can have no microwave, you can have no heater, but at least you'll have salt in the house. Because salt is all we use to cook our food. We don't have so many ingredients to put in the food, but if we are cooking our chicken, we just boil it and put salt and we are ready to eat. So to us, salt is very relevant. I'm glad Jesus said you are the salt, not you are the sugar of the earth. (laughs) Because we can afford to do without sugar. And for me, I find this Bible study very applicable where I come from. Because when we analyze the uses of salt, we really find how relevant the salt is. In my place, we don't have first aid readily available. So if you hurt yourself or you cut yourself, the first thing you put in the wound is the salt. So then the salt becomes your medicine to help the healing process take place faster. If you had food and you wanted to keep it longer, if you put salt in, it will stay longer than if there was no salt. So you see that to us, salt is very relevant, and in a, in, in a home, we find that you can afford to have no other things, but at least make sure there is salt in the house. So then when we try to apply this in our life, we find that no wonder Jesus said you are the salt, because he saw how relevant salt is in a house. Now then we understand that for sure the church has to be relevant to the community around her. Where I came from, for a long time, 
because of our background, we are Pentecostal, so sometimes we are loud and we make a lot of noise. So our neighbors see that as a convenient. These are people who make noise and are shouting for us. So they are not seeing the value and the relevance of the church. So we asked ourselves, what do we do so that we are not seen as noisemakers, but people look at us as something relevant they appreciate to have in their community? Also, we see that salt gives taste. And if we are in the community, can we influence that community so that people can taste the goodness of God? Oh, our presence in that community makes people not even want to, to come to God. So then we behave and do things that help people think for sure we can see goodness in the church. The other thing we also learned about salt is the healing effect of salt. So as a, as a church, we look at how do we bring healing to the community around us. In our place, we have both physical sicknesses, emotional sicknesses, and then uh, how does the church then bring that physical healing, but also spiritual healing, social healing in terms of relationships. So that is then the role of the, the, the church as being sold to the immediate community. I like the scripture in Second Chronicles that says, if my people who are called by my name, if they humble themselves and if they repent and pray, for their nations, I will hear them and, ha- and heal their land. So as a church, we feel it is our role to bring healing to the, to the community that we are in. If there are things that are happening, there is corruption, there is killing, there is abducting of children, what do we do? We turn to God and we pray so that God brings healing in that, in that area. So we've done that a lot, and we have seen really God do many things. We also look at the salt as a preservative. I told you in my country there's a lot of things that happen, corruption and the rest. What does the church do to preserve the community from doing those evil things? So then we see that the role of the church is very important. Actually, the church is God's instrument where it is to bring change to the community around. So the church is not just a group of people who come on Sunday, enjoy themselves, and go back home. But the church is God's instrument that God wants to use to bring healing, to bring taste, and to bring flavor to the community around. But we also learn that salt in a salt shaker is useless until you put it in the food. That's when it will change the food. So when we apply that, we find it's possible to have a church which is like salt in a a salt shaker. As long as you don't interact and mix with the community around and bring them together and discuss about issues that affect you and how you come out of those issues, then you are just salting a salt shaker. So that starts people to say, no, we don't want to be salt in a salt shaker. We want to be salt that is mixed with the community around us and is causing influence. So salt is important when it gets in contact with the food it is supposed to influence. In the same way, the church is important when it can influence the community around her. We also find that each grain of salt has a taste. 
If you picked a grain of salt put in your mouth, you'd feel the test. So as believers, we are like those little grains that wherever we are, we should be bringing test. So we don't have only to bring test when we are in the church, but wherever we are, in our homes, in our place of work, in our offices, wherever we are in the bus, we are supposed to bring that test because each grain is very important. But also we saw that if you bring the grains together, then in unity, they influence a lot. That's the beauty of the church working together in unity. And I'm glad that the church here is even um, partnering with the church in Uganda. And in unity, we can really influence a lot. So we've seen that that is what is important when Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. The salt is very relevant and it can cause a lot. But the Bible also tells us that salt can lose taste. And as we are reading that, when the salt loses taste, it is then thrown and people trample over. You may not understand how salt loses taste, but where I come from, before this factory salt, we had our own salt that we make. And we, what we do is, there are particular trees, if you burnt them, the ash, you filter them, and you'd get salt out of it. And actually, when you look at that type of salt, when you continue filtering it, it actually loses taste and the ends have been poured and then trampled over. So the Bible is telling us that it is possible to, to be salt, but salt that has lost taste. So what does that mean to the church then? It's possible to be a church, but the church which is not causing that influence to the community is like that salt that has lost taste. I thank God that you're a church which is still salty. Because when I hear about the stories you're doing and your engagement with other churches, then your people are feeling your saltiness. But around us, we can identify churches that are doing nothing to the community around. And the Bible tells us that it's possible to lose taste if we are not influencing the community around us. So it's important that when we are salt, we keep ourselves salty. And we ask ourselves, what are some of the things that we do that keep us salty as the church? Then we looked also as the light, and we saw that Jesus said, you are the light of the earth, and a lamp cannot be lit and then hidden under a bushel, but the light is, a candle is lit and it is put on a stand so that everybody sees it and it gives light to everybody. Therefore, as a church, we talked about salt as that quiet role. You don't see salt, but you feel it. So as a church, there are things we do that are not so obvious, but people around us feel. They feel the relevance of the church. They feel the goodness of the church. They feel your presence, and they love it. They feel you are valuable to them. But the Bible tells us not only that, we're also supposed to do certain things that make people see the goodness of God. And it says that let your light shine among the people. And the, the light shining is your good works. What you do to others makes your light shine. And the Bible says when we do good to others and people see our works, then they will glorify our God in heaven. The purpose of us lighting is so that people see what God can do in their lives and then glorify God in heaven. 
So the church is not just a church. A church is very relevant. I, I sometimes look at the reason Jesus came to the world is because there was sin. And when he came to the world, the Bible tells us he died on the cross so that our sins were forgiven. So Jesus had a purpose for coming to the world. If there was no sin, Jesus would have not come. And in the same way, if there is no world, then there is no need of the church. So you can't be a church that is not looking around to see what are things that are happening around us so that we can influence. Because that's the reason for which God has placed you as a church where you are. So the church then should shine its light bright so that others can see. We should also operate in a manner that exposes evil because the work of the light is so that we see even bad things around us. But it also helps us to see our, the way. If you are going and there was no light, you wouldn't see your way properly. But if the church then is to be that light, it means the church should be able to show the world around that this is the way. Let's follow it. It should also be able to, sh- to show evil things it should be able to shine and expose the evil things that happen around. So in so doing, it then influences the community around her. So the Bible calls us to be salt and light and let our light shine and let our salt be salty so that others can feel. I'll then share with you a story of what happened as a result of that Bible study. In one of our local churches where we did this Bible study, the pastor realized for sure, he needed to influence the community around her, the pastor and the Christians as well. But there was a scenario that in this particular church, there was a group of people who were drunkards. They, they would come to a bar, and the bar is not a posh one like the one here. It's just a small grass house where people come to drink. And they don't drink beer because beer is not harmful but they drink the local brew that is really destructive to their lives. And they don't drink just a glass. They drink from 7 o'clock to 7 o'clock in the evening. And then they, became, they become unproductive in their homes. They, become, uh, they leave their families to their wives and the rest. And they do that every day from Monday to Sunday. So there was this group of people who always came there to drink. And for a long time, this pastor had tried to preach to them, but he had used a terrible approach. He would always go to them and say, you drunkards, you will go to hell. And he would tell them, if you don't come to church, you become firewood in heaven, you will burn like firewood. So that had really uh, irritated the people who were drinking and saying, no, you are harassing us, why don't you leave us alone? You, the holy one, you can go to church. But when we did this Bible study and other Bible studies, the pastor discovered, oh no, these people are not just drunkards. They are God's people made in the image of God and God has good plans for them. So he started approaching them differently. So this time instead of coming to preach at them, because when he was preaching at them, he would stand from far and just preach at them. This time he would come and sit with them together and talk about family issues. So how are your families? How are your wives? How are your children? And he wouldn't talk about going to hell. Then he goes back. Then another time he would go. When he did that, the drunkards kept asking, what has happened to this pastor? 
He no longer abuses us. What happened? So then, as he kept coming, they got interested in asking him, so what is this Jesus you've been telling us about? So then the pastor had chance to share with them on a one-to-one basis, and they understood that the pastor had love for them. And that is what he said, that in the same way, God loves you and wants you to, to live a good life. So then what happened is, after some time, the drunkards asked the pastor, can you then come and pray with us? Because they never go to any church. They just come and drink every day. So the pastor says, it's fine, I'll come and pray with you. So the first Sunday, the pastor went, there were seven of them, and they had a very short sermon of one hour. Normally in Uganda, you'd have three to four hours sermon, but it was just one hour because these are people who had not been used to being in church. The pastor had to sing the songs alone, and then he preached. And when he preached, he never told anybody to come and give his life to Jesus. He just said, that is the word of God, and he went away. They asked him, would you come next Sunday again? And they told him, you come at seven, so that after you are someone who will continue drinking. The pastor said, it's fine. So he kept coming. After several Sundays, Seven people decided they wanted to give their lives to Jesus Christ. They gave their life to Christ and they stopped drinking. And then they started going to tell other people what had happened in their lives as a result of what the pastor was telling them. Their life totally changed. They became responsible people in their families. They would help their wives in the garden. And people wondered what happened. But as a result, that really caused change in that community. And now today, as I speak, there is a church there with over 250 people fellowshipping in a place where you used to be for drunkards. So that is what the church can do in influencing the community around her. Sometimes we don't know how, but we've discovered that once the church avails itself, and is ready to go and work with the community, God comes in and uses the church in a most amazing way. We also found that in, in one of the communities where we facilitated, there was this man called Patrick. I know you've heard about him. In this community, we did the Bible studies. One of the Bible studies we do is on resource mobilization. It talks about Jesus feeding the 5,000. And we discover in that Bible study, when people were hungry and the disciples were telling Jesus to send away the people, Jesus says, you feed them. And the disciples wondered how. But when they came to Jesus, Jesus told them, what do you have? They came and said, we have two fish and, and five loaves. So then Jesus blessed it and was used to feed 5,000 men, minus women, not counted. So there could have been more than 5,000. But what we learned from that Bible study is when Jesus was performing that miracle, he did not call manna from heaven, even when he had the power to do that. He asked them, what do you have? And it is what they had that Jesus used to perform the miracle. So we look at ourselves and ask, so what challenges do we go through? What problems do we have? What miracles do we want Jesus to perform? And then we ask ourselves, but what do we have? So that has made people go back home to see what do I have as individual. If we bring it together and use it, God will multiply it to even meet bigger needs. So those Bible studies have really triggered people to identify resources they have so that they can be able to use them. Another Bible study we use 
And please, if this time, just let me know. Another Bible study we use is on uh, Elijah and a widow. And, and when the widow went to Elijah, she had a big problem. Her children was, were being taken as slaves because of the debt. And when he went to Elijah, Elijah said, what can I do for you? What do you have? And she said, nothing. The first response was nothing except a little oil. So then Elijah said, okay, go to the neighbor, borrow as many jars as possible, and then pour the oil in. So as she kept pouring the oil, the oil never stopped until all the jars were filled. The man of God told her, go and sell, pay the debt, and live on the balance. So when we look at that Bible side, we say, wow, when we ask many people from our country, what problems do you have? They will tell you a thousand. But when you ask them what resources do you have, they will say nothing. So we have learned not to say nothing. We have learned to say except. So we go around to see what is that except, what is that little we have, that if we bring it together, God can multiply and use it to meet our needs. So that has taught the church to move and to look at resources they have, not only in the church, but also in the community. So after they did that Bible study, one time they were sharing that Bible study in a community meeting, and that's where Patrick was. Patrick was also one of the drunkards. People in my place love to drink, and they drink until they are hopeless. So Patrick was a drunkard, and he came to this meeting, and people, the church was so excited talking about what they had discovered from the Bible. And the Bible says God has given us resources we can use to improve our lives. We don't have to beg. We don't have to wait for people to come and help us. But let's look around and see what resources do we have. So when Patrick listened, he went back home and discovered he had plenty of land he could use. So he started cultivating his land. He planted seven acres of rice. And the next day was saying, do you know what? I can buy a pickup. So from thinking he's just a drunkard who drinks every day to thinking I can now buy a pickup. Actually, he didn't buy a pickup. He ended up sending his child to school. He saved the money. He was able to send his child to school. Patrick has never gone to school. He dropped in primary three. But he was able to educate his son until he completed in university. But Patrick influenced that community. He told people it is possible you know what I used to be. I used to be a drunkard. He had torn clothes. But he changed. He, he did a lot of things. He raised his income. And he was able to dress very well, feed very well, take his children to school. But also around him, he brought the women who had HIV and were really feeling so hopeless and isolated in the community. And he told them there is hope. God has given us resources, and God has made us in his own image, and we can improve our lives if we use the resources we have. So when he brought them together, they had farms together, they had chicken, and this group started uh, living a better life, and they became so hopeful. Their children were going to school, and they had food to eat. They had money to buy medicine. So he had really changed that community. Patrick would go home to home. That was his gospel. He went home to home telling people what God can do, and a lot changes in community. So thank you so much, and God bless you.